How does a poor Russian immigrant go from driving a cab to owning a boatload of zebra skins and a home with 35 bathrooms? Why did his partner put up big money to help people buy Trump World Tower condos? And how many dancing oligarchs does it take to fill a Mar-a-Lago ballroom anyway? Hi, I'm Palm Beach Post investigative reporter Pat Beal, co-host of Dancing Oligarchs. It's our look at Russia-connected folks who also connected in Florida with part-time Palm Beacher and full-time president Donald J. Trump. Excuse me, Pat, but is a connection anything like a collusion? And that's Palm Beach Post columnist Frank Cherubino. He will be joining me for this podcast because, well, if you're going to talk about Russians, you need an accordion player. Did you bring your accordion, Frank? Yes, just like you told me, Pat. But I thought I was mostly here to add some trenchant analysis and context to your reporting. No, Frank. It's basically the accordion. You know how hard it is to find an accordion player these days? Yes, thank God. By the way... I'm available for weddings, bar mitzvahs, and cocktail parties. Would you like me to stroll, Pat? No, I just like a little Russian mood music. Gotcha, Pat. I'm on it. You just start talking, and I'll start squeezing. Let me take you back to late 2016, when businessman-turned-candidate Donald Trump was now president-elect Donald Trump, and Washington was newly flush with suspicions about Russians and Trump. Every investigative reporter in the U.S. perked right up and said, maybe if I use my ace reporting skills, I can find these very well-hidden Russians. And there were none. Wait a second, wait a second. If there are no hidden Russians, why am I here trying to play this Russian music? Well, there were no hidden Russians who did business with businessman Trump because they were all out in the open. They had been for years. Oh, oh, Russians in plain sight. Got it, got it. I'll play again. You could not swing a cat without smacking a Russian. So many Russians. Plus, a lot of South Florida reporters know that nothing weird or strange happens in this country without some link to South Florida, and especially Palm Beach County. Ain't that the truth? Our motto ought to be, sketchy characters welcome. More accordion, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And that's how it was with the Russians we were stumbling into, who had brushes with businessman Donald Trump in Florida, or social events with Donald Trump in Florida, or some other South Florida connection. They had weird and strange backstories, and so that's who we want to tell you about. Before we do, though, let's just say this right out loud. There is nothing automatically wrong with doing deals with Russians. Paging Paul Manafort, paging Paul Manafort. No, Frank, what I mean is there is nothing automatically criminal or wrong with doing deals with Russians, even if they're sketchy, or even Russians one or two degrees removed from the Kremlin. There isn't? It all depends on the deals. All of us have friends, and all of us get to go to festive events, and some of us rub shoulders with some of our sketchier friends at festive events, and that does not mean criminal connections are taking place. Absolutely not. It's just Florida. We're all refugees from something. Just maybe some mighty interesting connections. Certain names may ring a bell because they popped up in connection with the Mueller probe or in news reports and recently in some books. For now, we're going to leave it to others to figure out whether anyone failed to toe the legal line. Uh, You can leave that to me, Pat. No, Frank. Just the accordion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just introducing you to people. Trump's Florida Russians, one at a time. 
And we start with the happiest of occasions, a wedding. We call it Father of the Bride. Did somebody say a wedding? Thursday night in 2007 was quite the bash at Mar-a-Lago. Trump was the MC for the evening's festivities. Best wedding ever. Not like those fake weddings at the Breakers Hotel. Prince was there. Like it was 1999. So were the Pussycat Dolls. Oh, Pussycat Dolls. Wait a second. I think I got some for them. What is this? Uh, that's, uh, I think it's called, it's called Buttons. You know, loosen up my buttons, baby. Drut you keep on fronting, baby. Please stop. Please. No. No. Okay. I'm going to take my union mandated break. So, okay. So there's a wedding at Mar-a-Lago and there's a Russian dude there. Is that the gist of it? Well, not a Russian dude. More like 600 Russian dudes all dancing the night away in Palm Beach. A cornucopia of oligarchs at Mar-a-Lago. Something like that. Maybe not all 600 of them were Russian oligarchs. There might have been some businessmen. There might have been some oligarchs in training. Any oligarchs we know? One was Tamir Sapir, father of the bride. Getting to the Gilded Mansion was a long, strange trip for Tamir, who was born in the USSR and eventually immigrated to America. Once in the U.S., Tamir worked as a cabbie. Then he switched to electronics and VCR repair, because everyone knows that's where the future laid, from a small store in Manhattan's Flatiron District. Wait a second. Cabbie to VCR repair. That sounds like a lateral move to me. I mean, this Tamir Sapir guy is sure taking the long road to becoming a richer-than-rich oligarch. Yes, but then one day, his big break walked through the door of his VCR repair business. Oh, wait, wait, let me guess. It's somebody who can't make his VCR stop blinking that it's 12 o'clock all the time. No, that would be me. The person who walked in was Edward Shevardnadze, once the USSR's powerful minister of foreign affairs, and even more importantly, in came his bodyguard, too. The bodyguard was a childhood friend of Tamir's from Russia. It always helps to know the bodyguard. And what do you know, within a few months, faster than you can say, huh, this is weird, why don't these things ever happen to me? Somebody said to Tamir, hey, Mr. VCR shop owner, want to get into the multi-million dollar Russian oil and gas exporting business? Booyah, instant oligarch. And that is how our Tamir, a sweet-faced, glasses-wearing, maybe a bit nebishy cabbie, became our Tamir, a sweet-faced, somewhat nebishy ex-cabbie, with a model tall blonde bride, a Long Island mansion with 35 bathrooms, several indoor pools, a two-story dollhouse, and a lazy river running through it who was exchanging truckloads of VCRs and shoes and electronics for tankers of Russian oil and oil products. Well, that's nice work if you can get it. But that's just it. You can't just get it. Russian oil isn't like oil from my home state of Texas. You just don't buy up wells and start selling barrels of precious crude. Almost all Russian oil and Russian gas and Russian oil pipelines are Russia's oil and gas and pipelines. And nobody but nobody gets into big-time Russian oil and oil product export business without some friends in high places. All right, so Tamir got lucky. Powerball lucky. But maybe it was inevitable some friend in a high place would connect. You see, the New York Times once reported that Tamir's electronics shop drew an awful lot of high-powered folks from the USSR and that some of them seemed, well, spy-like. And it wasn't just the KGB. One Donald Trump once bought 200 TVs for a hotel. 
That's what Tamir's partner told Bloomberg News, and we'll swing back to that partner in a bit because that wasn't his only Trump-related deal. But first, in all the stories Tamir told about his rise to riches, our billionaire cabbie oil exec does not mention something. Another old friend from Russia told a newspaper that he saw Tamir at the School for the Soviet Ministry of Internal Affairs in about 1984. It's a kind of FBI policing agency investigating drugs and economic crimes, but it had a darker history linked to what you might call physical persuasion. Is there any evidence that Tamir was involved in that sort of thing, or even that he was part of the ministry? No. It's just another strange footnote to an already strange story. And Tamir died in 2014, apparently without ever having explicitly addressed his friend's memory. What we do know is this. Tamir did not just sit on his oil cash. He went back to New York, and he got into real estate. Oh boy, I smell a Trump connection approaching, and it's going to be huge. Yep. Tamir bought the $675 million Manhattan high-rise he used to be able to see every day from his old VCR repair shop. And this is kind of a cabbie to Cinderfellow story. And he also helped develop another little building with some help from other people from Russia, and that's Trump Soho. Bingo! Which then struggled for sales, a problem solved with money pouring in from Russia, Donald Trump Jr. said a few years back. Well, that explains why Robert Mueller's team has been reportedly investigating the financing of Trump Soho. Tamir had his own little brush with the feds just a couple of days before the Mar-a-Lago wedding when his supersized yacht showed up at Port Everglades. Let me guess, it was loaded with drugs. That wouldn't be South Florida strange enough. Customs officials doing a routine inspection found a boatload of dead and decorative endangered animal skins and trophies. Think a zebra-skin children's bed, a fully-stuffed lion, a cigar box made of elephant skin, and such. Whoa, eat your heart out, big-game hunter Don Jr. Tamir paid a $150,000 fine, but still had enough cash on hand to throw that Mar-a-Lago wedding for his daughter. And what happened to those animal hides? Wedding favors? Nope, customs didn't give them back. Part of the deal called for them to be turned into displays at airports and ports in South ah, Florida. Welcome to Florida. Admire our zebra head. Tamir also got into a failed South Florida condo deal with Trump, but that's another story. For now, though, a few words about the most fascinating VCR repair shop in the world. Tamir's partner, the one who talked about selling 200 TVs to Donald Trump, that was another USSR immigrant, Sam Kislin. He didn't stick around the store either. And he made news at least three times. Once, when Bloomberg reported he gave multi-million dollar mortgages to people wanting to buy condos in Trump World Tower, including one linked to a Putin-friendly political movement. Once, when the Center for Public Integrity cited an FBI report tying him to a Russian mobster in Brighton Beach, little Japanese Ivankov, which he strongly denied. And a third time, when he was involved in two international tales of intrigue, scandal, and disappearing frozen chicken legs. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. Time out. Pat, did you say disappearing chicken legs? No, I said disappearing frozen chicken legs. Interesting. I think it's worth pointing out that this is one of the rare times when frozen chicken legs, if they disappear in a nefarious manner, 
can concurrently be hot chicken legs. Are you finished interrupting? Yeah, go ahead. P- please proceed. Only one of Kislin's adventures has a Florida connection, however, and thus is suitable for our Florida-centric podcast. And because the news gods have smiled on us, it is, yes, the frozen chicken legs. So we're back on the chicken. Good. Sam exported fowl, among other things. His company used to buy chicken from a father and son team on Long Island, also Russian immigrants. But the father and son were selling the same chicken legs to multiple buyers. You know, there ought to be a name for that, multi-birding or illegitimate marketing. They were, and I am quoting law enforcement here, exploiting Russians' love of dark meat chicken. And yet, Chicken Kiev is made with the breasts. Go figure. Key to the scheme was going to banks and getting loans based on more than 6 million pounds of chicken purportedly being held as collateral in a warehouse in what state? All right, let me guess. Starts with an F, ends with a duh. Pensacola, Florida, to be exact. Scandal number two. Sam's company exported 6,000 pounds of frozen chicken legs to St. Petersburg, Russia. Authorities seized the chicken, alleging the legs were being smuggled. They dropped the case pretty fast, though, and gave the chicken back, but only 2,500 tons of it. The other 3,500 tons had mysteriously disappeared. Taken a walk leaving Sam on the hook for about $3.5 million. You know what they say about smuggled chicken, Pat? Actually, Frank, I don't. Tastes just like chicken. More accordion, Frank. Right. But before I do, I just have to ask if there's any connection between these Russian-bound frozen chicken legs and Donald Trump in Mar-a-Lago. Actually, there is. In 2012, Donald Trump, who for a decade had flown ambassadors to the Red Cross Ball in Palm Beach, said no more free rides. And Sam Kislin has a nephew, Arik. Arik had a jet. Well, he had a jet company. Arik stepped up and flew in ambassadors from Morocco, Trinidad, Slovenia, and Mexico to the ball, which was being held at Mar-a-Lago. You know, you know this whole thing reminds me of that game where you... You pick somebody in showbiz, and you discover a chain of connections to the actor Kevin Bacon. Yes, except instead of actors, you have Russian businessmen. Instead of Kevin Bacon, you have the guy who becomes the 45th president of the United States. Well, I'm, I'm dizzy and hungry for chicken at the same time. So, that's our long, strange trip from 600 dancing oligarchs at a Mar-a-Lago wedding to New York cabbies, to Russian oil fields, to zebra skins and chicken legs held hostage in a Florida warehouse, and right back to the Palm Beach Ballroom, where we started. And I have to tell you, we left out a lot. You mean there's more? Oh, there is. And if you want to read more about Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach Post reporter Christine Stapleton had an eye-opening piece about tax breaks. And if you want to take a visual tour of the mansion through the years, well, we've got that too. We have a list of links to these and several more stories about Tamir and the frozen chicken legs. It's on our website, www.dancingoligarchs.com. And send us your questions, thoughts, comments at dancingoligarchs at gmail.com. Let us know what you want to hear about. Like maybe more accordion. Maybe. If you enjoyed this podcast... Please leave a review wherever you download your podcast. It helps listeners find their way to our stories. Next up, an unsmiling groom, a bromancy hug on the streets of New York, 
and a newly tarnished Prince of Diamonds. <laughs>